0: Good. Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 135 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And it's a pretty interesting episode. This, I guess, will be our European Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League kind of semi-preview of the knockout stages. Um, we were promising this episode a while back, but finally, we have a kind of a I wouldn't even say an open week, but just a week that kind of makes sense for it since the draw happened on Monday. But before we get into that, um, news that happened this morning is, unfortunately, Sergio Aguero um, had to retire from football because of a heart condition. Um, He suffered during a match at Barcelona uh, when he was playing for Barcelona. And, you know, he announced his retirement in front of the Barcelona squad in the Camp Nou um, in a press conference. So, you know, sad times as, you know, one of the probably best strikers, best players of this generation Um, had to retire at a pretty early age at 33 because as we've seen from other athletes that, especially the likes of Ronaldo and Messi, they can continue playing at a high level, you know, past 30. Um, But unfortunately, you know, he had to call it quits and hang up the boots a little bit earlier than expected. But um, it was a heartfelt, like, uh, I guess, retirement speech, just like any retirement speech was. But obviously when a good player or one of their favorite players retires, it always brings up, I guess memories of some of the biggest moments or best moments from him, and for Aguero, obviously the the moment that sticks out with everyone is you know the Aguero Martin Tyler call from 2012 when he won the when won Manchester City the Premier League title, um, and it was that goal, uh, that winning goal to help them win the game that helped them win the title because they were level on points with or Manchester United were a point above them in the Premier League table at that day and. You know, that's why Martin Taylor Martin Tyler says that you'll never see anything like this again because those two teams were neck and neck going into the final day of the season. United win, they're on top, and City needed the win to get above them to finish top of the table. And Aguero at uh you know in the in stoppage time produced one of the probably the one of the best moments, I would say, in world football that'll probably go down in history is like people just will watch this scene or watch this clip on YouTube for years upon years upon years, and it'll be you know, within Premier League lore and just world football lore. But that's obviously a memory that probably sticks out with most people with Aguero. But
1: it really like even kickstarted like Man City's reign this past decade where... That was their first Premier League title. He helped Mm -hmm. them win. And I mean, you still see that (laughs) celebration from him just running around shirtless, swinging around his shirt like a washing machine cycle, just running down like crazy. And it was, I mean, ever since then, like Man City has been on a pretty dominant reign and Aguero has been one of the most clinical strikers in the past decade. And whenever you can think of a Premier League striker, you usually think of Sergio Aguero. It's unfortunate, too, because in the past several seasons, you know, we've seen him suffer a few injuries that just kind of been lingering throughout the whole season. Like you usually don't see him starting many games. He only won one golden boot, I think, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. That too. And then especially during his last couple seasons at Man City, like he barely saw him play like his final season at Man City. He only played 12 games Mm -hmm. in the Premier League. And then for Barcelona, he only played four. Yeah. And he scored one goal. And this one goal was in El Clasico. So, I mean, it's just like little things like that, where it's just the decline was there. Like the signs were there, the writing was on the wall. And it's a shame to see a player like this of this caliber, like a legend, be forced to retire due to like a health condition. Like it wasn't really his own choice. It's more like he just had to do it just based on his own conditions there. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got to give him his, his time. He's got to give him the praise and kind of respect that he deserves for a really good career. He's had for Barcelona, <laughs> like the little five games he had, but mainly Man City. Yeah, Atletico, Atletico. Madrid,
0: Yeah. And then independiente is like Argentine, Club he, he started his senior career with with our, in Argentina, uh, but yeah, his records kind of speak for himself. Like he has scored a career total international and club four hundred and twenty goals. He has won. Um, he's a five time Premier League champion. If I if I believe if I believe I'm correct there, but he also has the most hat tricks in the Premier League with twelve. He has the highest goal to game ratio in the Premier League. I think it's like at one point. Um, or something like that, but it's the highest, it's the best goal to game ratio in the Premier League by any player ever. Um, I mean, he was, his stats to speak for himself. He was one of the most clinical strikers. He's Man City's all-time goal scorer. Um, It's unfortunate that he wasn't able to cap off his City, I guess, club career with a Champions League title. Obviously, you know, they, they lost to Chelsea in the Champions League final, but I mean, he pretty much won everything he could at Chelsea bar the Champions League. It was a clinical striker. It was an amazing striker. But I remember um, one thing that kind of sticks out with me is when Pep Guardiola came in. I remember when he initially came into Man City, um, it was almost like Pep Guardiola was he was trying to phase out kind of the old city guard of the likes of Joe Hart, Vincent Company, David Silva, uh, Sergio Aguero. And obviously, Joe Hart was the first one to leave. But then with Sergio Aguero... Um, a lot of talk was that he was going to get shipped out. And this is when Aguero was, I believe, still probably 28 or 29. And it was like still peak Aguero. And I thought a lot of people thought um, Pep Guardiola was crazy. But um, one of the things Pep says is that Aguero has to get used to the way I want to play in terms of the system that I want to develop here at City. And, you know, kudos to Aguero. I mean, that just shows how good of a player he was, is that he was able to adapt his game at kind of a later stage in his career and he ended up becoming an even better striker in the Pep Guardiola system and he scored a ton of goals there and he basically became one of Pep's favorite players even though sometimes the relationship can be a bit odd and he was trying to you know maybe make Gabriel Jesus be like the next you know Aguero but as we saw each time Gabriel Jesus kind of had a shot to be the number one striker at City he kind of did not live up to the expectation and that's probably because Aguero set the bar so high that um, Gabriel Jesus just couldn't reach it and that, that probably, even though the Aguero moment with Martin Tyler is iconic, but that's one of the things that stuck up with me with Aguero was that he was able to ride it out with Pep and, you know, kind of kind of reconfigure his game to Pep's style. And that allowed him to be at City for a longer time than expected when Pep initially
1: came. And even under Pep Guardiola, he's kind of solidified his legend, not only in the Premier League, but also for Man City, too. He's basically, their, if I'm not mistaken, their top goal scorer in club history. Yeah. So that is something that'll probably be there for. A little bit longer because it's <laughs> Their team doesn't really have a striker still to this day. Like, yeah, it's basically been Sergio Aguero for the past decade. And there hasn't been anyone that can fill his shoes. And it was supposed to be Gabriel Jesus, but that hasn't been the case. Yeah. So right now, his reign and his legend still kind of reigns on. It's still kind of haunts him to this day. It's like, man, you can't really replace him even when you want to. And even when he was still there, they're like, no, he can't replace me. I'm I'm Kun Aguero, man. I'm too OP. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, so, no, I, I agree. His uh, his legacy, I guess, is forever I guess, enshrined in Premier League lore and history because, yeah, his records, as I said, speak for himself. And unfortunately, you know, his time at Barcelona was cut short and his career was cut short. But, I mean, he wanted everything. Won uh, Copa America this past year with Argentina, finally won a major trophy with them. I mean... Yeah, what, what else can you say Sergio Aguero? He will he will be missed, but hopefully we'll get a lot of like uh some cool FIFA Twitch stream moments from him um nowadays like when he'll be true. streaming he on Twitch. He's a streamer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it'll be cool to see him if, if FIFA makes an icon or something for him then he can continue to live on, but he'll yeah, it it be like the, he's one of the dying. F- first few icon <laughs>
0: players that uh I I could say like oh, I saw him play in real life like I know the Wayne Rooney and Lampard and Gerrard and obviously uh, Robin van Percy or one of the you know newerish icons or Anikar Casillas as well, but Aguero was like you know I mean that's pretty cool that you can say like oh I watched this player play and now he's like a legend in the game. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. So
1: it makes me feel old.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Like we said, um, Sergio Aguero, kudos to his career. Fantastic career. and Unfortunately, cut short at the end um, due to the heart condition. But what can you say? It's Sergio Aguero. It's Kuna Aguero. So one of the best strikers of this generation, best players. But uh, moving on to the Champions League draw. Uh, very interesting here was uh, because if you, I guess, weren't paying attention Monday morning, the draw happened around 5 a.m. Eastern time in the, in the United States, the first draw. And we say the first draw because... Um, there was an error in the computer system, as UEFA says, as what UEFA claims. And the error was that for Atletico Madrid, um, the way they do the draws that they have the runners up in the group, their ball gets drawn out first. And then in the opposite, I guess, uh, the bowl that's right next to it is the team that finished first. And the way the draw works for the round of 16 is that you cannot draw the any team that you played in your group and you also can't draw a team from the same nation so that meant that there was only a select few of options that atletico madrid could draw as a potential round of 16 opponent and manchester united were one of those options but manchester united's ball was not in that i guess bowl um as one of the options so because of that atletico madrid i believe drew byron and i and I kind of missed this part, but um, Villarreal accidentally got drawn against Manchester United. And if you didn't know, Manchester United did play Villarreal in the Champions League group stage. So that couldn't have happened. And because of that, United actually drew PSG and everyone was going crazy because we thought we were getting Ronaldo Messi again somehow in the Champions League. But there was a lot of uproar, especially from Atletico Madrid. They were like phoning UEFA and just saying this is unfair, like you can't do it. And I think part of it was because they drew Bayern, but... Um, eventually they were able to get their, I guess their, their claims, their claims were heard and UEFA basically had to do a redraw. And because of that redraw, there was a couple matchups that stayed the same. Somehow Chelsea ended up facing Leo. Like, I don't know how they got away with just getting Leo again, but a couple ones that did change was Real Madrid got matched up with PSG Liverpool. Instead of getting RB Salzburg in the first round. I guess, initial draw or the fake draw. They ended up getting Inter Milan. Sporting <laughs> will play Manchester City. Um, Atletico got drawn against Manchester United. And Villarreal will play Juventus and then Benfica and Ajax. as like the last round of 16. So it was a very convoluted, very messed up uh, draw. You know, classic UEFA to kind of rig this or make it seem really shady and fishy. So, you know, kudos to them. They somehow managed to pull it off, but... Yeah, it was a very interesting draw. I know a lot of teams were upset, happy, not happy about the redraw. I feel bad for kind of for Real Madrid. I think they initially had Benfica as a round of 16 mm-hmm. opponents, and now they have PSG. So it was just kind of a mess up of uh, of a grand scale on UEFA. It was just a bad look on UEFA, even though they already have a really terrible look right now. That was a very bad look to mess mm-hmm. up the draw of the Champions League round of 16.
1: That's already really shady of uh, a... I- organization as well because you know back in the days they had the warm balls i like guess scandal where i mean for these draws is literally they have teams wrapped up in like a little ball that yeah. a player would reach into a bowl for kind of like if you watch like the georgia <laughs> like, like lottery and then they spit yeah. out the four balls and numbers for the day for the yeah. that's the lottery like this is literally what the same is. it's like the same old-fashioned way it's, it's just teams are in a bowl and then whatever player like picks out the teams that match up against each other like that's how they do it so back in the days there's a there's a rumor that they would warm up some balls so they can get matchups specifically where it's like alright they know like a specific team's warm in the bowl so then they just use that to get certain matchups but for this one it's just all apparently computer computer error. algorithm error so I was like okay <laughs> whatever that means but yeah this is kind of a rough one for at least from a Liverpool fan because we had RB Salzburg, which is, I would say, one of the easier matchups to get in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now we switched to Inter Milan, which are the top team in the Serie A right now. Yeah. So...
0: I mean, you would probably be better off drawing Juventus because they are... Like, they're in sixth place right now in Serie A.
1: That's true. And then also, I feel like with Inter Milan, it's, they're just sending Liverpool back to Milan. So they just really want... Everyone in Milan to just hate Liverpool. No matter (laughs) if you're AC Milan fan or Inter Milan fan, they just want they just want to send Liverpool back. So another matchup in the San Siro right there. But for I want I want to quickly go into that Real Madrid versus PSG matchup. That's going to be probably the biggest matchup in the next round of I guess sixteen because yeah this. This is going to be basically Messi either exits the competition early or Real Madrid with Benzema, Vinicius Jr. They all exit early. It's going to be one of those two.
0: Mbappe's time to shine at the Bernabao. His, his, his new home. Potentially his new home. You never <laughs> this know. This is his tryout. This yeah. is
1: his interview right now. This is his... what? What's the word for it? The... Showcase? Not the behavioral. No, not the showcase. It's like, you know how you have a behavioral interview and then a... Oh, case study. Yeah, this is a case study for him. <laughs> <laughs> so... There we go. It's... I don't know. I'm going to straight up say right now, this is probably not even a hot take, but I think Real Madrid have the advantage in this one. Yeah. Already, just because they're the hottest team right now in La Liga. I believe they're first in the league. Yeah, they're like they just miles beat, ahead. Everyone. Yeah, they dismantled Atletico Madrid pretty recently, who's basically like the closest runner up to uh, them in the La Liga. And then PSG, PSG meanwhile... Didn't really do too well in their own group. Like, they mm-hmm. lost to Byron, and they did beat out the other teams, obviously, to make it into you the You mean, next they round. lost to
0: Man City? In the, oh, in yeah, the group they lost stage, Man yeah. City.
1: But, um, but for this, I don't know, they just don't seem as powerful, even with Messi, as previous seasons. Like, I mean, I know under Tuchel, they made it to the Champions League final, but under Pochettino, I just feel like it hasn't been as strong. And this... Real Madrid side, I feel like this is like the worst time to face them, even though it's going to be in a few months. It's I don't know. It's just something's not right about this VSG team. It just feels like there's not enough chemistry built enough yet. And it's just something about them. It just doesn't feel right. It's yeah. hard to put my finger on it. It just feels like if you just chucked a bunch of good players onto one team and it's just 11 good players right now. It kind of reminds me of how you described Manchester United for many weeks under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> It's just that's kind of what I feel like PSG is right now.
0: Yeah, I th- I think uh I think that's a good good shout, uh, because with PSG, they are runaway favorites in League On. They are doing really well in League On, but if you ever watch any of their games in League One, it, it's not exactly like they're dominating them. A lot of times it's they're getting away with, you know, late goals or their defense is conceding a lot of cheap goals and they kind of rely on some individual brilliance to kind of get them through. They really haven't clicked, um, especially the front three of Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe this whole season. They really haven't clicked um, 100%. It's been at spurts, you would see a little bit of clicking here and there. But when all three of them play together, it's been very rare when all of them have scored or all of them have assisted and a lot of them are just all syncing up. And it also doesn't bode well with Pochettino's system, which requires a lot of high pressing and, you know, a lot of off the ball, you know grunt work per se, um, because Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar, when they are playing, they don't do a lot of the dirty work that's required for a Pochettino system. So because of that, you're seeing a lot of the, I guess, kind of stranded players, or a lot of times you see the midfielders kind of doing all the dirty work or the leg work, but that leaves other parts of their team really exposed because their front three doesn't do a lot of the pressing back um, to help protect their entire team. So it's very weird. I think the PSG job in general is very hard because you're being asked to throw away all tactics and basically find a way to accommodate three superstar, like three of some of the best players in the world, probably top five, top 10 players, like two top five, and then one top 10 player in the world all into one team. And it's just, it's impossible almost. And then not to mention that, you know, Sergio Ramos potentially come kind of going back to the Bernabeu, but I think he's only played like one or two games with PSG because he's been hurt most of the mm-hmm. time. Kalor Navas, potentially making a comeback. I mean, there's a lot of interesting subplots here in this game, but the, like you said, in terms of advantage, definitely, I think Real Madrid have the better advantage because I think they, they play a little bit better as a team. And then they also have Vinicius Jr. and Kareem Benzema and Vinicius Jr. has been on almost another level this season. He's like raised his game, you know, to another level because a lot, I guess like the past two seasons, um, a lot of people just thought Vinicius was kind of an overhyped kid and, almost like a flop but Mm -hmm. he has kind of proved his doubters wrong this season because he's just been performing at a really high level scoring a ton of goals assisting just being a lot more
1: consistent and Benzema is player of the month in uh, La Liga Liga.
0: this past month exactly and then Benzema also has been scoring a ton and he's been on the same level as Mo Salah this season in terms of being one of the best in the world right now so I definitely think Real Madrid have the advantage mm
1: -hmm. and I feel like PSG's biggest weakness honestly is their in my opinion, their defense just based on the Champions League games I've watched of them yeah. this past season. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a shootout almost for this matchup. But that's going to be kind of sad to see if like a Neymar, Messi, Mbappe team gets eliminated so early or even a Real Madrid side with Benzema, Vinicius, my boy, Tony Cruz, or I guess <laughs> my old old boy because he's old man now. But, you know, Tony Cruz, one of my favorite players of all time. It's just, I re- I rather have the Man United PSG match. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> Messi versus Ronaldo again. Hey, but, but. If,
0: if PSG go through, maybe if like United go through too, it might be even more spectacular to have them play later in the matchup, later in the Champions League knockout.
1: Uh, mm. Knockout round. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's happening, but <laughs> I, I would I would say for you though, Yush, Atletico Madrid versus Manchester United, that's a pretty good matchup replacement for y'all because
0: yeah I would say it's definitely a lot it's a I would say it's definitely a lot easier because I think the the thing that struggled United have struggled with is dealing I guess defensively they've kind of been all over the place when Rafael Varane's not playing and Mm -hmm. you know PSG's front three as we said are you know at times they don't look very in sync but individually they still have all the power and all the skill to kind of sauce up a defender or you know get by a defender really easily and basically leave De Gea 1v1 and yeah De Gea can is capable of making those saves but um he probably couldn't do it the full you know two two legs of the knockout round um and oh and one thing I guess we forgot to mention is that the I guess the knockout round the rules are a little bit different this year they've gotten rid of the away goals rule so there's no longer that away goal advantage anymore um in the Champions League so I guess in a lot of ways it kind of favors the better team overall to kind of go through because now you can't really rely on a sit back, hit them on the break in the away side and then, you know, go home and just defend the lead. So that's why I think, um, I know a lot of people are saying Atletico Man United might be a bit of a toss up, but I'll give the edge to United because not only do they have the better player, you know, Ronaldo, But as we know, Ronaldo's kind of been Atletico Madrid's kryptonite because the guy always seems to score against them in the Champions League and ruin, like, breaks their hearts. Um, but I think um, the way Atletico Madrid kind of set up and also they have not been the same Atletico Madrid that you've seen in the past five seasons. This team is struggling in La Liga. They struggled in the Champions League. They needed the last day of the Champions League to get in to the knockout stages. So it, it exactly it really hasn't been a vintage Atletico Madrid side. So I think they're pretty vulnerable at times. So that's why I'm going to give the edge to Manchester United because they do have the best player in the Champions League. You know, the guy that always seems to come up clutch whenever they need him, um, that's Ronaldo. So I I wouldn't bet against Ronaldo scoring a winner or somehow picking up a late goal and doing something to, uh, to get them through in this matchup.
1: And we've seen with Atletico Madrid when they're on a high press, on a Gengen press kind of team as their opposition, they kind of struggle. They got a a red card in both matchups (laughs) against Liverpool. Yeah. So I think that's going to happen. I don't don't think they're going to get a red card again. I think they'll probably learn their lesson. Yeah. But I mean, with Ralph Rodnick now at Manchester United, that kind of just gives Diego Simeone more headaches. It's like, oh, not only does he have to deal with Ronaldo, but now the Gengen press once again. And with Athletic, Atletico Madrid also, I believe Suarez just got injured recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how serious injury is, but they're pretty reliant, I believe, on Suarez, Griezmann up top, and that's basically about it. I mean, they have like Correa, but yeah, <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, because Zhao, like Carrasco, really hasn't done too much. Zhao uh, Felix is nowhere to be seen,
1: unfortunately. Yeah, he's not been. I mean, he was really good against Liverpool in the second. Uh, in the return leg.
0: Yeah. But consistently just doesn't play enough.
1: Yeah. It doesn't that's score also enough,
0: especially in La Liga. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, this Atleti- at- Atletico side, it's not, um, it's not a vintage, you know, you don't really think of this as like a vintage Diego Simeone at Atletico side that can just hit you on the counter attack. And it's just very dangerous to play against. Um, I don't know. Something just seems a bit off about them this year. And, yeah.
1: Uh, i I just feel like also just having those key center mids like Saul kind of removed from the team, Coke maybe not in his prime anymore. <laughs> like that kind of transition is just not there to connect the front to the back for like those quick transitions that Atletico is so used to because they're a very highly defensive team. Like whenever you think of Atletico Madrid, think of like Oblac and their whole defensive back. But, you know, recently it just hasn't really been the same. And I feel like Joel Felix, he has all the potential to be like the next. Uh, Caca from Brazil back in the days, but he's just in a system that doesn't really fit to his style. So he's just basically nerfed (laughs) while (laughs) while he's at Atletico Madrid. He has all this potential, but just not in the right system, I feel like for him. So it's just like a lot of little things it's just their players, maybe not getting the best out of the system and also because of the system itself, but also just the system kind of hinders based on who they have available. It's just like, it's not the same players that they used to have that can, you know, kind of make do of what Diego Simeone wants in his vision.
0: Yeah, so, it's also an older I, Griezmann, too. It's not like you're... Yeah. You got prime it's, Griezmann, too.
1: There's number eight Griezmann on his back, not the seven. <laughs> <laughs> not the hype beast one. But I think uh, United... I'll give you all the edge. I think United have a pretty good chance of going through. That's uh,
0: they, uh <laughs> they somehow managed to find a way to disappoint. But... Yeah, I mean, this, this one, I, I would say next to Real Madrid PSG is probably the next, probably most interesting one because of the because of the brand name of both, but also Ronaldo against Atletico again, um, and all the kind of mini storylines there. And then, um, you know, Bayern, RB, RB Salzburg, it seems pretty intuitive that Bayern's going to knock them out pretty easily. Juve via Real could be interesting because Juve have been struggling a lot in Syria, but they do decently well in the Champions League. But I don't know, that one's kind of a toss-up, but both teams kind of stro- are struggling in the league. So I'd probably give the edge to Juventus just because they have, you know, some players that can make the difference at times, um, even though Dybala, they're not very, Yeah. And Chiesa? Yeah. I- Chiesa, I would say more. Dybala has been kind of off this season. Um, I just like his hair. Yeah. but <laughs> You know, he's like 28, I think.
1: Mm. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, he's
0: almost 30. <laughs> Someone said that he's the baby no. first merchant. He's a baby face merchant. <laughs>
1: oh, gosh.
0: Yeah, Jeez. that makes you feel old. I thought he was, I, you know, it was crazy when I saw it because I legit thought he was still 25
1: or 26 at least, you know? Well, I'm depressed now, so. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the yellow submarine kind of made it their way here. They made yeah. it out of a pretty tough group and beat Atalanta on the last day to yeah. get here. So, Unai I mean, Villarreal have a chip on their shoulder if anything.
0: Unai Emery's bus or submarine.
1: <laughs> yes. But I mean, Unai Emery's also, this is not his competition, so who yeah. knows? He might soil it. He's, this is like always, oh shoot, we messed up. We're not in the Europa League.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens there. And then Benfica Ajax, I, I would say the edges to Ajax because they. it seems like this, they're kind of set up for a magical run again where they did it You know, in 20... Was it... was it, that 19. Was 20, Yeah, 2018-19 where they made yeah. it all the way to the semis but then lost to Tottenham to Lucas Moura. Um, and then Chelsea versus Leo. I don't know how Chelsea pulled the voodoo magic and got Leo again. Seems like they just got a perfect
1: match. Warm balls, dude. Yeah, warm balls, the man. Geez. They
0: they just somehow escaped. They could have drawn Bayern, and they just they couldn't get Bayern. I mean, that's just that's just really lucky on Chelsea's part. So Chelsea should go through. There's no reason why they shouldn't go through, but. You know, they'll go through. They'll go through. Yeah, I, I have no...
1: <laughs> honest, I'm going to be honest. I barely know enough about Leo as it is. I only know they have this one Canadian have, striker named... They have Jonathan David. David. They have Tim Weah. Jonathan Wea. David. Yeah. And have, Tim Wea. Yeah. But that's about it. I don't know too... Wait. Where's Renato Sanchez? Is he also there? Yeah. He's okay, also so there. Anthony uh, Lopez. Maybe I do yeah. know more about this than I thought.
0: Okay. <laughs> but I think Diallo. Chelsea... I think Chelsea are still the best, stronger side. So they should yeah, go through. Yeah, this is like...
1: What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
0: yeah. And then sporting, confused? I feel like Man City, they somehow always get a super easy team, either in the group stage or in the knockout, early knockout stage. And this time, you know, no disrespect to sporting, but you know, sporting out of the, all these teams we've listed out are kind of more on the weaker side yes. uh, comparatively. So Manchester City, they somehow got a, another kind of cheese team to just go through, or like just skate by. It's
1: not fair. Like Chelsea and Man City, both get easy opponents and Liverpool get, number one team in serie A right now. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, I'll say this, Liverpool won all their matches in the group stages. So I have full confidence in them to beat Inter Milan. But at the same time, man. <laughs> <I laughs> it really take tough. sporting. Yeah, it's It'll, gonna be a tough matchup.
0: Yeah, because Inter Milan, I think I I you know AC Milan's doing well in Serie A, but Inter Milan they did win the scudetto uh, last uh, last season when they won Syria, but um yeah Inter Milan they have a pretty good team cuz they have good center backs they have good goalkeeper they have a really good forward in Lautaro Martinez um then they have like this partnership with him and Jecko you know they have Hakan
1: Chalanolu. uh who also got player of the match yeah. or player of the player of the month in yeah, Serie A he's been he's month. been doing
0: really well in Serie A and like for Inter this season um so oh. I mean I, I think mean, Liverpool Liverpool should go through they have the stronger side you know they they've got the coach so You would hope that Liverpool's um, experience will take them through because they got out of the Liverpool got out of round of sixteen last season, right? Or did they fall in the round of sixteen? No, they they got out.
1: It's just who did they beat in the round of sixteen last season? It wasn't Porto. It was. (laughs) I'm always always thinking Porto for some reason. We like to get matched up with them. It 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 escapes me, but whenever something bad happens, I just it just erases from my memory. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing. I feel like it was a round of eight when Liverpool got eliminated. Yeah. If I remember correctly. But I mean, for this matchup, you know, I would also, I think Inter Milan is also one of the top goals, the top teams with the most goals in Serie A too. Their <laughs> defense, Liverpool's defense could be truly tested here. So if Liverpool find a way to kind of shut them down and kind of stop Inter Milan's attack, I think that will be the key, especially stopping a Nico Barella, the, the little man, the little aggressive man that... Yeah seems to be like everywhere he's like it's Italy's Conte except who can shoot and pass a little better but yeah I mean it's just those little things it'll be a cool matchup just because it'll be a, like a tight match in my opinion I think it's gonna be a very underrated matchup but I just rather have the easy one
0: <laughs> yeah you I like, will
1: say Liverpool that run when they won the Champions League they had a really hard uh, knockout stage like road if I remember correctly well Tottenham had a like, slightly easier one
0: they no, they played Bayern right then Bayern Barca,
1: I, yes and then we're gonna take a quick segment to just Google this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think they did play Barca or they, I know they played Barca when they made it, but I do believe they played Bayern right before that in the quarterfinals.
1: But let me see. Okay, so for Liverpool, it was Bayern Munich in the first round of sixteen porto in the quarterfinals barcelona in the semifinals and then tottenham in the finals so yeah nice nice
0: yeah so i mean i feel like you know in the champions league you can't escape playing the hard teams eventually you're gonna have to face a really good team um so maybe hey if you get it out maybe you face a better team earlier in the round maybe you might face an easier one in the quarterfinals later on yeah and then
1: you also have some momentum because man city in that same year they faced schalke first yeah. he's not very good, and then they they lost to Tottenham in the quarterfinals. So <laughs> I think Tottenham them. What,
0: what's that <laughs> Did they had that um, it was like the when football kind of came back. I remember they had Leon in the semifinals, and they like or no in the quarterfinals, and they fumbled the bag against Leon. But, but you know, regardless, it, it doesn't uh, in the grand scheme of things. You know, you'll face a hard opponent um, in the Champions League, but uh, overall, you know, even though they had to retake the draw, I thought the draws were pretty decent, and they were pretty fair per se Um, obviously PSG Real Madrid and Atletico Atletico and uh, Manchester United kind of steal the show in terms of top matchups then you could throw in like Inter uh, versus Liverpool but overall pretty good draw Um, and I wanted to end the I guess this Champions League segment with like one last question who is the Premier League team most likely to win it because we actually did have all four Premier League teams make it past the group stage so now we have uh probably the best shot of out of all leagues because we have the most teams out of any league to make
1: it to the knockout stage. So who do you guys more content from the Premier Pod. There we yeah. go. I gotta say Liverpool. I gotta support my own team because right now, just based on Champions League form in itself, Liverpool are I would say one of the hottest, if not the hottest, since they won out, yeah. didn't lose a single match. So that's an easy that's an easy one. And also everyone's fit this year. So last year there was a lot more of an injury crisis with basically every center back at Liverpool injured. Whereas this season, Klopp's done a lot better of a job rotating that center back tr- duo, where it's it's almost like Man City like where you just don't know who's going to start. Mm-hmm. You just know it's going to be Van Dijk, and then his partner is going to be someone <laughs> different every week. It could be Konate, it could be Matip, it could no be no
0: context Joel Matip.
1: Yeah, no context Joel Matip. <laughs> follow that Twitter account. That's one of the best ones ever. Even uh Van Dyke shows everyone I think he even shows Joel Motzev every day the the latest picture from the from the <laughs> <laughs> from the page daily.
0: There's there's one um. for Eric Bae and there's one um No Context Eric Bae where in the Champions League it was like the, the, they've already qualified, so they were playing young boys. So every time he went for the tackle, he did like a mini spin after like doing the tackle and then he would just get oh my up. Gosh. <laughs> and there was just like a compilation or four or five times in the game where he just went down to the floor, did a spin and got up. I'm
1: like, I just, I, he's like, he's the best defender ever. Dude, that's why all these, if you have a meme account, like even <laughs> the legend Phil Jones, throw back to him. Like y- y- usually is good mojo. So I'm just going to say, at least for me, Liverpool have that momentum right now. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Man United are I, I'm going to say are a little underrated in this competition just because they have Ronaldo. Ronaldo, yeah. this is his competition. So, and, and they like, have Raphael Varane, who
0: should hopefully come back. Raphael Varane, who should hopefully come back by the time these knockout stages come through too. Mm-hmm. That's like also big time players with,
1: with Ralph Rodnick at the at the helm instead this time. <laughs> you, you have no idea how they're going to do. So it yeah. could be really good, but also could be <laughs> they, could fumble, <laughs> they could fumble it. So you never know but I'm going to give the edge to Liverpool.
0: Yeah. I think that's a fair shot. I'm going to be a little biased here. I'm going to go with Manchester United. Just pick their own
1: teams. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, But I'll I'll probably, I'll give my bias pick and I'll probably give like, I guess a more general pick. But for me, bias wise, I think um, if you just look at how the competition is, the Champions League, as as we've shown or the past history has shown is that it doesn't necessarily mean just because you are the better team doesn't mean all the time that you're going to go through and win it because there's been times where we've seen upsets of a team the underdog team the team that doesn't necessarily have all the superstars or has everyone fit but somehow can just get a 90 minutes together to just pull out the dub and i feel like manchester united even though they, they're not under ole and they don't have kind of like that weird juju going on i know with ralph there's going to be a new system in play but the way the manchester united squad is kind of built Obviously, you have Ronaldo, but we also have other players that are capable of making some big time plays and some big time moments when called upon. Like David de Gea, is, um, excuse me, David de Gea is capable of making a big save when called upon. Ronaldo, as we've seen, is capable of making a big goal, being really clutch. Bruno Fernandez can kind of pull something out of his hat. Um, Paul Pogba, you know, if he plays, can do something spectacular. Rashford, if he gets back in form, Jaden Sancho, who's slowly starting to regain some of that form, so. Even though at times the team can be a little chaotic, I feel like for the Champions League, they kind of have that weird blend of like, maybe it could work. Because, you know, if we remember Real Madrid, when they went on that crazy run of three peats, you wouldn't say they're necessarily the best team in terms of overall style and kind of dominance. But they had big game players like Casemiro, Modric, um, Cruz. Ronaldo, you know, they had those big game players that could make the big game plays when it when they were called upon. And I think United have a decent amount of those players. So that's why I think in some of these tough matchups, you know, United could escape with the victory just because they have some of those meta players in a sense that can come up in those clutch moments. Um, and obviously, Ronaldo kind of built his legacy and his career off those clutch moments in the Champions League. So that's why I'm rolling with Manchester United. But if I had to give kind of a more fair balance pick. Just looking at it, I'd probably lean towards Liverpool as well just because they have Jurgen Klopp who's won it recently. Overall, really good balanced squad. Mo is playing at peak. I think Chelsea might face like Champions League runner-up type of or Champions League net, in next season after winning it, kind of a hangover and they might get catched because I, I think we've seen recently that if you do play your cards right, you can catch this team sleeping at times. Um, I think Man City, I think since they don't have a actual striker it's gonna hurt them um so anyway and we've seen with pep that when it comes to the champions league sometimes he overthinks it a bit so that's why i'm gonna go with liverpool but um, bias pick i'm going manchester united and i also think generally speaking they do have a good chance of potentially winning it or getting really further into the competition
1: you kind of labeled man U as a dark horse <laughs> yeah yeah and which is ironic because they literally have Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> Team Ronaldo's a dark horse right here. But I mean, that being said, kind of more generally too, all four Premier League teams, they have a pretty good shot. Yeah, you and could make a case is, for all four. Yeah, you could. I just Chelsea winning it last year just made no sense to me still. Yeah. This just, day. <laughs> I definitely I definitely don't want to see Manchester City winning it, but
0: they definitely have the squad capable of making a run mm-hmm. and do you know, pulling off the thing and winning it.
1: If they can just find a, a midfielder to catch fire near the later stages and just get the goals that way, which, <laughs> I mean, they could, you know, a Sterling, a Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. They for lost Torres. They lost him. I think he's going to Barcelona.
0: Oh, has he already sent the How contract? Do do?
1: I believe he has, but I, I, I'm not sure about when he's okay. particularly transferring because he's supposed to be, I guess, Aguero's like, replacement. I yeah. guess. Barcelona is going to do the same thing. They're just going to replace their striker with a winger. Yeah, <laughs> But they do have Luke de Jong and Memphis Depay, which is the difference. So they actually do have some other strikers there. Jeez. Yeah. But but anyways, yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. Kind of quick to mention Barcelona didn't make it into the knockout stages. Yeah. In
0: the Europa League. They're in the
1: Europa League for <laughs> first the first time in...
0: Not in club I've history, so but the first time they're playing in the Europa League since two thousand one oh two and it used to be called the UEFA Cup um, before they right. rebranded the Europa League. So, yeah, tough times for Barcelona. It looks like they're not going to be anywhere near the top four, make it to qualify for the Champions League because they are struggling. They have no money. Xavi, first like big-time job. Um, so, you know... Pray for my Barcelona peeps out there. It's it's tough times out there, but hopefully, you know, a big superpower like that, hopefully they can get it together and, you know, become a superpower again um, sometime soon. But right now it's not yeah. looking too good. Uh, but, but Europa yeah. League, there were some pretty good teams that came out of the, that fell out of the Champions League. Dortmund's now in the Europa League. Um, Sevilla, obviously that's their competition is in the Europa League. Barca, as we said, obviously their squad is not that good, but they also um, have Napoli. um. Uh, in the Europa League, they were already in it, but the Europa League is pretty strong. And one thing they actually changed the rules again this year is that um, any team in the group stage of the Europa League that won their group actually essentially got a first round buy of the round. They got the round of 32 bye. and then they will, get, they will pay Europa League again once the round of 16 picks up. So that means West Ham, um, if you were looking at the Europa League schedule and we're kind of freaking out, like what happened to West Ham? Did they get eliminated? No, they just um, were good enough to get a buy, which... In a lot of ways, I think it works, but also I think it might hurt them because if you're a team that's kind of in good form in a competition, oftentimes that what kills you the most is the extended buy or extended weeks off you have from the competition. So I think this might end up hurting them more than anything else, which is a weird thing to say
1: when you have a buy. I don't know. For me, I always like to have a little break before okay. a competition like this because I know momentum-wise you feel like you kind of lose it just due to timing where it's like, Oh, I didn't play for a little bit, but I feel like one of my biggest things for what makes a team good is like availability. So it's like just one less game to, you know, prevent an injury that could have occurred. Maybe in that extra game or maybe a little bit more time to kind of set up tactically against a team that is coming off the extra game, the extra 30 round of 32 game and you got to rest, and you got to just prepare a little bit longer for it. Whereas that team that just got out of the round of 32 is like, all right, we finally got out of the round of 32, and it's just <laughs> straight into round of 16. Like, not as much time to prepare. So I feel like for West Ham, they're kind of inexperienced in this kind of position too, so it'll be interesting to see how David Moyes goes into it. I yeah. I mean, I had all faith in them to get out of their group, unlike Lester, who uh, fumbled the bag there too. But... <laughs> You but know, the competition's a
0: bit tough now. Like, like I said, there's some big teams in there with some big time players like Erling Haaland playing in the Europa League. Like, That's just sad. <laughs> yeah, that is sad. But it's also there's some really good teams that have been knocked out in the Champions League in the Europa League now. So West Ham, you know, they're a good side. But I don't know if they are have enough quality to kind of compete with some of those other European clubs. Like Napoli have been doing pretty well in Serie A. Barca, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, you know, they've been struggling a lot, but Dor- Dortmund, especially, um, that's a really tough team to face early on in the Europa League competition in terms of knockout stages. If it's West really Ham.
1: random, but I just want to see West Ham versus Barcelona so bad. <laughs> see them go that's to the Camp a New. Neat matchup. Like, <laughs> Declan
0: Rice in the Camp New.
1: Yeah, that's going to be crazy. <laughs> please, Barcelona and West Ham, just get far enough to, to get a matchup, please. Like, that would be one of the coolest matchups I, I probably will see. Where it's just imagine <laughs> the Barcelona team just at the Olympic Park. <laughs> That'd be wild. Instead be of going insane. to like, instead of going
0: to like you know Stanford Bridge, they're going to you know the Olympic Park to face West yeah. Ham.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> to face David Moyes,
0: yeah, beat Chavvy. So, yeah, Please Europa League. That Europa League is interesting. I mean, like the only Premier League side left in it is West Ham and. I have hopes that West Ham can go far, but I I think ultimately they might, you know, kind of crash out in the
1: round of 16. I don't know if they can get past. I have full faith in them. Oh, really? Yeah, just the blind faith. Because, I mean, they're right. Although they just, you know, soiled against Arsenal in the Premier League, they're still in fifth. They're challenging for the top four still. And, I mean, they're still a decent squad. And against like certain other teams in this league or in the Europa League, Like Barcelona right now, like there's certain teams like that that they still have the advantage on. And I still feel like they have a pretty strong squad as long as everyone can stay healthy. Yeah. And certain players like Declan Rice still playing out of this world, Kurt Zuma coming into what Kurt Zuma was supposed to be at Chelsea. And then, you know, Ben Rama coming in. And, you know, the list goes on. We kind of praised them last week, you know, giving some more praise this week. But West Ham, the forever dark horse team, I got to give faith in them. Because it's also just funny just to see West Ham doing this well. It's just you never expect it from a team that was in relegation
0: That's just like true. a couple seasons ago. That's true. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what uh, ends up happening with them in the Europa League. But uh, moving on to like the Europa Conference League, finally, like, the, the last the third and last competition in Europe. As we mentioned before, Leicester, they fumbled back and now they're in the Europa Conference League and Tottenham are... Not in it, but also in it. Um, yeah, unfortunately, they had to postpone their match um, against Wrens in the Europa Conference League, and I believe it was their last match day with the uh, in the Conference League. But I think UEFA or Wrens basically said that they couldn't do that. It was like against a lot to do that, so I think they've like forfeited the match. So right now, if you see, like it's like a tie between Wrens or Tottenham to be in that spot to be in the round of 32 there, but it's all really confusing. So I'm just going to assume that they're not in it and Leicester city is the only team in it just to make it easier on us. Cause it's really confusing, but Leicester are not facing Rangers. They're actually facing a team called Randers in the conference league. And I couldn't tell you a single thing about the team they're facing, but they're somehow, um, got themselves into this competition. And it was funny because after they got eliminated in the Europa league, Brendan Rogers had a post game quote and he was like the Europa conference league. I honestly have no idea what that is, <laughs> what that competition is. So you have a manager that doesn't even know what the competition's about. They're most for sure going to be knocked out of this conference.
1: It's literally less just to lose at this point. Like just, <laughs> it's a free trophy. I mean, that's what we say about Tottenham. But I mean, they really just did not care about this competition. I honestly, I feel like this. Maybe the prize money is not big enough to for the team to care. Because you know, for like the international competitions, like the Audi Cup, things like that over the summer, it's more like you know, to showcase for the fans, but this one and then maybe the prize money for that and like international summer leagues might be almost equivalent. I mean, that's why like Tottenham didn't really put out a good squad against their competition that no one really still knew about too. Like I can't even when you put down Leicester City versus Randers on our note sheet, I thought he misspelled Rangers. <laughs> but no, it's actually just Randers. Yeah, most random team. So not only does Brandon Rogers not know what the competition is, but he might not even know what the competition is. Like, if anyone out there knows, you know, shout out to if there's a Randers fan listening to this podcast ha- right now. But, you know, all due <laughs> respect, we, we we don't know who you are. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty <laughs> random league with random teams. Well, Lester's in it. So it's theirs to lose.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's theirs to lose. But how motivated are they going to be? Like, are they going to be to like win it? Maybe they might be a little bit more motivated because their chances of top four have pretty much diminished because they've been so poor in the Premier League. And honestly, Brandon Rodgers could lose his job because they've just not been really good this season. But uh, it, it's a huge L for Leicester to like miss out on Europa League. Like, like a, a team like Leicester, they definitely should be good enough to qualify out of the Europa League group stage. I mean, it's just a big, massive L for the club this season, the way they've been Can performing.
1: You- can you even watch Europa Conference League games?
0: Yeah, you can. You, it's it's on Paramount Plus, but the thing is, it's on the same time um, as Europa League. Oh, so it's like you got to pick and choose what you're gonna watch. It's like do you
1: want <laughs> do you want garbage or do you want <laughs> more garbage? <laughs> more. Gosh dang! Yeah, so uh-huh. they
0: they do play on Thursday nights as well, but yeah, like as Tyler mentioned, it's like you got to choose from Europa League or Europa Conference League and. Like, I don't do you know want, anyone who's watching Europa Conferencing unless you're a fan of that specific team. Do
1: you want the Knights in or do you want Motel 8? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, which one do you want? It's, geez, Yeah. But uh, you mentioned it was
0: Leicester City to lose. I don't think they're going to win it because I just don't know if they're going to be motivated enough to be in this competition. <sighs>
1: Honestly, I think that's really what it comes down to. It's like they have all the potential. They have everything. All the pieces need is like, do they just have the mentals, just the motivation to even get through? So, and you, you're you're not you know, you're like
0: you're not a big fan of Brandon Rodgers, who has like you said, like one of I, the worst mentals.
1: <laughs> I don't. Ha- I'm not a fan of Brandon Rodgers in big games. That's yeah. That's what I'll say. When I mean, he proved me wrong in the FA Cup final, but you know. We got to see if he can consistently do it. Because now after that, it's like he's kind of hit a peak and then it's like, oh, he's going to keep going. No. <laughs> <He's gonna laughs> what happened at Liverpool? Back down to earth. Liverpool, he got second place many times and that was like his peak. And it was just, I mean, for this, it's just sad. <laughs> this is even worse than that. They gave me a second right now. <laughs>
0: Man, it's uh, it's tough times for Leicester, but yeah, that kind of wraps up on the the Champions League or the Euro- Euro- European, I guess, competition of like updates of what's happening in the Premier League, but also generally speaking. But um, mm-hmm. as we normally like to close out the shows with a preview of just the next, I guess, biggest three games. But unfortunately, um, we're not going to be doing a preview section. This week because there's actually been kind of a rise of COVID cases in the Premier League clubs, um, specifically at Manchester United and Tottenham. And there have been a decent amount of games that have been postponed because of COVID outbreaks at certain clubs. Um, I know recently Burnley Watford was postponed, but also Manchester United versus Brentford was postponed and Tottenham and I believe Brighton was also postponed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a decent amount of games, like I said before, that have been postponed. And um, we've just been seeing it. There's been a, a lot of rise in COVID-19 cases. And probably the first time we've seen this many COVID cases since, I guess, project lockdown or, or project restart or since yeah. lockdown happened. Um, because relatively last season, it was kind of held under control. But this season, I think the COVID rules have been kind of laxed or relaxed a little bit because of fans coming back in the stadium and I don't know if we're going to see a full season shutdown. I just don't think it's going to be possible because of the World Cup coming up, um, European competitions, what we just discussed. But I I wouldn't be surprised if I was going to say maybe a, a, like a reduction in fans coming in, but really it's just been the players that have been getting infected. So I would think that the Premier League would enforce like harsher and more stricter COVID protocols to kind of ensure that, you know, t- players can stay negatively tested. And if they break the rules, there's going to be a fine So I feel like that might be coming in to play, Um, but I don't think we'll see a fan reduction in stadiums or playing inside um, closed stadiums because no other European league has done that just yet. Um, So I would think everything will be, I guess, normal sailing, but I I feel like there's going to be harsher restrictions um, being put into place for all Premier League clubs to hopefully follow suit and maintain that the season goes on when it should be.
1: Yeah. I think there are certain countries like Austria, maybe that have a bit of a lockdown right now. I think if I remember correctly, there's a couple like replays. I saw of certain Champions League games where there was an, a crowd, but um, it's not as like big, I guess in England right now, it's kind of like us. I would feel like where it's out there, you know, people are unfortunately getting infected, but I, I feel like the world's still moving on for them. It's I think the main Thought for this is if there is going to be a delay, it'll mainly be team based and just like certain games. So I don't think it'll be like a shutdown for the league because now they have protocols as opposed to before. They didn't really know what to do. It's like, oh, uh, (laughs) let's just (laughs) shut down everything. We have no (laughs) idea what to do. So now they have plans and like what to do and, you know, vaccines are out there. So I think because of all these protocols and like the solutions and. Like the options for, you know, how to prevent it and how to mitigate it are out there now. Um, I don't see a stoppage like we did back in the days where it's like, all right, we're going to take a break from the Premier League for a few months. <laughs> yeah. I think it would just be games here and there yeah. that will be made up eventually. it would be a little rough because if you miss some games in the Christmas period, you could miss three games if you just miss a whole week.
0: Yeah, Tottenham so- Tottenham's already three games behind and Manchester United have are one game behind and they could potentially be two games if they do postpone this upcoming weekend against Brighton, which there have been potential talks about. And it also messes up kind of the league table too, because if you're a team that is, you know, been playing all your games normally and you think all of a sudden, Oh, I'm in fourth place now, but then you look behind and it's Manchester United Tottenham have three or four games, um, you know, in hand, and they're only four points away from you. There's more likely they're not going to catch up to you. So, it's uh, it makes things a little bit difficult to predict, but also it, it puts a little bit more pressure on certain players to perform to pick up wins when they need to pick up
1: wins. Mm-hmm. And the one interesting thing I would point out that's kind of something I've, I've kind of observed is that, you know, COVID, is still pretty it's still prevalent in other leagues, not only in, in soccer, but also like NFL, too. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen. When a player goes down with COVID, in like the NFL, usually like an NFL team has enough depth, like they have like fifty man squads, so like usually like a backup player can take over for here or like a certain player. But for soccer, it's a little different, where the squad numbers aren't as big. Yeah. So if if all of a sudden like eight players get yeah, COVID, you have like
0: just like a youth squad at that, you point. have
1: a youth squad, and and certain players aren't
0: even registered in the Premier League to even play. That's also true. Yeah, like like only a certain amount.
1: mm -hmm. You can only have a certain amount of players registered for the Premier League from every club. So that's also going to be interesting to see how that kind of pans out. Because it was kind of weird to see that there was an outbreak or news of an outbreak at Tottenham, for example. Yeah, but the game didn't get delayed until a certain number of players were reported to be infected. Yeah, so. We don't really know if there's a threshold that the Premier League is looking at or it's like, all right, after this number, we got to have delay the game. It's kind of crazy that that's even a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to consider. But that's something just to keep in mind where it's a little scary just to see it kind of make the news again for being as big as I believe that like they haven't really seen this many cases in players since. Yeah, as you just mentioned, Project Restart, like yeah. right in the beginning. So for this it's going to be some news to kind of keep in mind and to kind of keep a watch on, but it's a little, little scary to see.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, if more people get the booster shot, hopefully we'll see the cases kind of go down and, you know, we'll be able to kind of go back and safely, you know, play football and just enjoy it and watch, you know, the players play in front of packed stadiums. And that's kind of the joy of it. But, you know, for the time being, it's a little worrying, but hopefully, you know, they can kind of push through and figure out a way to kind of ride the ship a little bit and, you know, eventually just get back to being normal, but we'll see when that happens. Hopefully it comes soon. Um, But yeah, that's why we're not, I guess, having any preview or games to preview this weekend, just because there's a possibility some could get postponed, you know? So we just don't know. Um, But that kind of wraps up. Um, Season four, episode 135 for us. As we always say, you can subscribe to us um, on our YouTube channel at the Premier Pod and also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And if you do listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review. It helps us out and get us noticed to other podcasters and other um, viewers on Apple Podcasts. But if you don't want to leave a review, just want to listen, that's totally fine. But if you also want to share this podcast with um, a friend that's interested in the Premier League or soccer, that helps us out and, you know, we enjoy the support any way we get it. You can also give us a follow at the Premiere Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, leave us any questions about future, I guess, talking points or future um, episodes that you would like us to discuss or anything um, that's on your mind and we'll be sure to get back to you and respond. Um, but yeah, that kind of does it for us. Season four, episode 135. Thank you guys once again for listening. Peace. Peace.